0: Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, as ever, Lloyd McCaffrey, and this week I'm joined by a, a premier panel, a great panel this week. It is uh, firstly my my right-hand man, as ever, Christopher Somani.
1: Thank you, Louis. Uh For the last few weeks, you've not introduced me first, but you came back to the way it should be this week, and I appreciate that. Um, thank you very much.
0: Good evening. Do You know what it's because we're on Zoom and you're all stacked to get like you know one above each other so I just go from top to bottom so this week you're at the top and I like you on top anyway so there we go. Um next my uh, a man who shares in my passion for Hello Fresh um a yes. fellow lazy bastard
2: it's uh, Ian Duggan. Good evening. What I'd say about Hello Fresh is it's brilliant but there's there's a lot of cooking involved and there's at least one bit when you get to step 5 where it assumes you're an octopus, and you have yeah. to do about four things yeah. at once. You're like,
0: this isn't easy. I made uh, I made tacos last night that look very simple when you're eating them. Like, there's not much to them, but oh my god, there must <laughs> be about forty five ingredients. It tastes tastes amazing. To be fair,
2: yeah, it's all very good stuff.
0: And uh, last but not least, a man who you know he always thinks I'm getting at him when I'm winding him up about Christian uh, Christopher Ayer. You know, I love the man. I love his hair. I love the new beams in this house. It's Christian Wolf. Oh,
3: I'm delighted to be here, Louis. Um, you know, it's this perception that people wind me up. I, I feel I'm pretty laid back. I, I, you know, I, I feel that I'm the one stoking the fire, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Just,
0: uh, just don't have a fellow analyst on your timeline uh, shooting shit. That, that's what really gets you riled up, Christian. But we'll, Look, we'll, if
3: if if you if you think it's you know can be heated in the cynic WhatsApp at times, uh, that's nothing compared to uh, you know analytics and and stats WhatsApps. So that's that's where the real, that's where the real battles are.
0: I I hope I,
3: I, I hope I never see that.
2: Who's the biggest virgin? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's uh, good. Man, that's man, that's man, good. That's good.
0: Well,
1: is. Before we go on, will you let me come in I was trying to come in there before you introduced the question On you go, on
0: you go I'm
1: throwing <laughs> a, a, a couple of curveballs at us Saying that when we're talking about products um, It sounds like we're advertising them So uh, it would probably be good if you do a disclaimer This is just personal preferences here The 90 minute cynic, sorry, the cynic Are not for sale So just so
2: people know this
3: is Okay, the, uh, allegedly Let's see what kind of bid comes in The last two weeks, but yeah, okay
2: um might be so, a, a loan and sell back or whatever it is. <laughs>
3: I'd like to go on loan right now. Anyway, we're going to start. Look, to <laughs> be honest, is there a pod we wouldn't improve? That's, so.
0: very, that's very true. Right, so football. Um, we had the Livingston game at the weekend. Uh, I was going to say we ran out comfortable 3-2 runners. I, I wouldn't say it was comfortable towards the end. Um, we beat Livingston three goals to two um, eventually. Bit of a shaky start. Um, which we'll come on to talk about, but first we'll we'll talk about the changes to the starting eleven because um, I think when the team came out, there was a quite a bit of dismay. I think um, about you know the, the starting eleven and, and some of the changes that had been made, especially when we thought that Neil Lennon was going to. For once be a bit consistent we starting a living And that consistency factor We're going to have a wee debate about tonight as well But we started off with uh, Barkas and goals obviously Elhamid, Duffy and Ayer as a back three uh, Frimpong and Greg Taylor in the wing-back positions then a midfield three of Scott Brown Olivier and Cham Callum McGregor and up front we had Ajeti and Christie part- partnering them um, obviously that meant the likes of Edward were on the bench El uh, Unise was on the bench James Forrest was on the bench and um, I was I was very surprised at the lineup and a bit disappointed. What was what was everybody's kind of reaction to it at first? We'll get to the game in a minute, but just that first reaction of of the starting lineup and, and formation.
2: I think I did um, absolutely what both Stuart and I think Alan alluded to on the on the reaction and the agenda. Like I think I did initially go, ah, oh, what's going on. Why is he rotating? Why is he not playing his best eleven? Why is Scott Brown still on the team? Why is Edward on the bench? This is awful. The sky's falling, and and I think that that uh, it's sort of actually reflecting what uh, particularly Stuart said on the agenda, like and and Alan's point, like we are going to have to get used to this. Like I think Lennon is going to use that eighteen man squad and actually we need to chill out a little bit because players get in time and even edward having 90 minutes off on saturday where we still get 3 points and now he's fresh for thursday night that's quite a good thing so so yeah so i think we just got to we've just got to chill out i think there's parts of the team where
1: i'd like to see more consistency now the back three for instance and the goalkeeper now he's just come in and he obviously had a good game at Ross County, but there's still people questioning him. I mean, some people I'm sure we'll come and talk about it. Some people questioning him at the second goal for Livingston. I think that's, that's nonsense. That's, that's nitpicking. But for me, maybe this is a traditional view, but if you're going to play a back three or certainly a, or even a back two and a back four, they need to get to know each other and they need to kind of gel and to learn to play together. Um, the keeper needs to learn when to trust his centre-halves. If we've got somebody in like Duffy who's going to be so dominant in the air, and Barkas, maybe that's not one of his strong points, they need to kind of gel that way. Now, I can understand when we move forward, we've got guys like Forrest and El who don't fit into a 3-5-2, which probably means we won't always play that. So I can understand why we'll change our attacking options a bit more. And I would be for that, generally speaking. At the back, I want more consistency. I'd, I'd like to see... The three centre-halves certainly that are going to play the majority of games get a run of games together. The fact that they're chopping and changing, taking Julian out and putting El Hamed in, I'm not saying that El Hamed's not capable of playing there. I just want a consistent run for the three of them. One for them and two for the goalkeeper because I think that that would steady things because what we're seeing is we're able to score goals. We're able to can attack well and, and create, but we're shaky at the back and that might be part of the problem for me.
3: I, I don't mind the rotation as such because I think you'll only get the, the answer to the question should Celtic be rotating as much. You'll get that in three, four, five months. You know, the, you do rotation now for later on in the season. I think my main issue this week with rotation was the midweek game. And then Samani alluded to it there. Why he puts Julian out, to put El Hamad in, second game when you play a three-five-two. And okay, you know, Julian had a wee knock for Saturdays so didn't play, that's, that's fair enough. I think bringing, giving Klamala a game instead of Ayeti on Wednesdays is fine. And then also you have these issues around the wingbacks. There's been like three different wingback combinations in terms of Forrest playing left, right, they're not playing, Frimpunk in and out, and Taylor in and out as well. So I think there's a time to rotate. I think the week you're introducing the 3 5 2 for the first time since months back, it's not a time to rotate, especially the back five. You know, especially the back three. Pick a team, go with them, a little bit of rotation within that, it's it's fine. I think Louis for me on, on Saturday, the, the one the thing that popped up was Edward. He wasn't injured, he was on the bench, and I think the explanations around why he didn't play. It was pretty much the most interesting slash concerning thing about Saturday, rather than the rotation themselves, because I pretty much expected them by now.
0: If we we'll, we'll come back to the the why Eddie didn't play in a, in a wee minute, but she on squad rotation and needing a settled starting eleven, do we not really need that? Because well, one more playing in Europe this week, and what a matter of what, three weeks away from playing the biggest domestic game so far this season. I mean, surely if we're going to move to three-five-two, we want we want to embed that formation in with our best players. I mean, I, I'm all for a bit of rotation now and then. It just doesn't seem like now's the right time. But would you be worried going into either of those games? I mean, the, the European one against Riga, which we'll come on to later on, is too soon. But with the Rangers game coming up,
2: I think you've got to know, like, you when you come <clears throat> you come to that Rangers game. You need to be really clear on what the best eleven is. And I'm still not certain who plays in that left wing back position when we're when you're setting your team up for for best. I think I think the the back three, if everybody's fit, is 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 I or Duffy Julian, and um, you've got. Fring Pong has to play right wing back in, in a game like Rangers. There's, there's no questions. Brown isn't going to get dropped there. So then you've effectively got Brown, McGregor and Chammer Christie. Again, I thought Christie was really good at the weekend. You've got a Yeti and, and Edward up front, but who plays in that left wing back role? Again, even if we signed a left wing back, do they get thrown straight into that? And, and I think, again, there's maybe a little bit of trying to feel our way into the best 11 because I'm not sure that Lennon necessarily knows what it is because we've got we keep trying to put different square pegs in a round hole. I think on Saturday,
3: of all the three games over the last week where they played three five two, I think maybe the first 55, 60 minutes on Saturday was the best 60 minutes. And I include Russ, second half against Ross County against it, And I think some of the reasons why that is because it wasn't a straight 352 if you look at stuff like you know average locations so or I was just watching the game El Hamad on, on Saturday was more of a right back than he was a center back he was so far up and he he kind of gave frink bunk f- play more as a, as a wide pl- attacker and El Hamad behind him having Ryan Christie there as kind of a deeper striker worked really well because he brought out the best time. He, he can he, he showed for the ball left, he showed for the ball right, he, he showed for a deep, but you still had Ayeti there to kind of, you know, occupy one or two centre-backs. So I think that worked really well. And he, you had a kind of nice relationship with Duffy slightly back, Ayer stepping up. And the midfield, it was almost more like a diamond in midfield. Brown was a bit back. McGregor and Chama thought you got the best out of them. So I think that's, If you wanted to play that way, you need it can't be a static tree and then just two wing backs and then two on top because I do not think that suits the players Celtic have, and I definitely don't think it suits playing against better teams, uh, which will be coming up soon.
0: Rob Brown had had
3: kind of been asked about this in the
0: press conference the other day about um, squad rotation and his own playing time and and whether that you know he might be affected by the, the rotation and things. And I suppose he said what you would expect him to say, that he was, you know, it's up to the manager and his great respect for Lennon and what he decides, you know, is right, is right. Um, Which I thought, you know, was good to hear. No real surprise. He's not really going to say anything else. But, you know, I think, would it be fair to say after watching that that we probably saw McGregor's best game, Christie's best game, and Cham playing very well? I would... (laughs) At this point, I know that Brown's probably not going to come out of that team, but I'd have to say that I think all three of them need to be in the team. Obviously, Christie yeah, maybe is a bit of a debate because he's taking the position where Eddie would be, but the three of them should be in our midfield, should they not? I, th-
2: I think the difficulty is that that for all that it seems like everybody gets rotated out except Scott Brown, and actually Scott Brown's got four yellow cards. If he gets, um, you know, a booking against, I, I, I think he's probably just of no, well, you know, I mean, if he gets a booking against Hibs and a booking at St. Johnson, he misses the Rangers game, right? We, we need him in a game like that. So why is Brown's minutes not being managed? Or, or is this kind of actually, does Brown need to be playing every minute to try and get up to speed? But it just feels like we're missing an opportunity to manage him. Brown, I mean, we've all consistently said
1: that Whether you think Brown should be completely gone or whether you think he's got a role to play, I think to a man on this podcast, m- most guests that have come on and said that he needs to be either rotated or rested or managed differently than he has been previously. Um, Lennon has taken him off, which even in itself is something that's not normally happened. So I think the aura behind Scott Brown playing 90 minutes for every game has dissipated a bit, but maybe not enough. You're pointing Christie, though, being in the midfield. It's Christie's discipline that causes me concern sometimes because Christie's work rate and his effort are never ever in question. Now, being the deeper line striker gave him a bit more freedom where he probably didn't have to be as disciplined as he would be in midfield. And we saw the best of him. But when you've got Christie in certain games, tight games, his distribution and his concentration and his ability to retain the ball are questionable. Um, so for me, Christie isn't always a starter. Um, although I think I've, we've always said that he's got a lot to offer the team in certain situations. But for me, the only the only two that I would definitely think that deserve a place in their team just now in central midfield, for me, it's McGregor and then Cham and then A and other. Um That's the way I would look at it personally.
2: And I guess with Christie, you've got the... If there's another sort of question mark that gets thrown at him, he's never really had a decent game against Rangers. So actually... Is he in that? Is he in that first eleven to play against Rangers? He might be in your best eleven, depending on form, but actually maybe not the best eleven to play Rangers.
0: Christian, see what your analysis sat on. Um, you know, we've seen Christian. Eh, Christian, we've seen Christie at number ten, and I, I don't think he's a number ten. We've seen him up front on his own, and I don't think he's a you know a striker, one up top type striker. Anyway, what is that position that he really took up? that you played so well at the weekend and are we likely to see that again do you think?
3: I think Sermani was spot on and why Christie was was good because he had that freedom and if you're number 10 you, you, you I think if you play a lone striker as he did you, you're kind of even more restricted or he thinks he has to restrict himself more and I think previously this season just as Sermani said he's, he's been trying things and it hasn't really come off I did an article on him for the website a couple of weeks back, and I do think his best role, his best spell, I, I know he had like a wee blossom at the start of Lennon's first season, but I think his best spell was kind of like a number eight, you know, slightly advanced central midfield in a Brendan Rogers system because, you know, we don't have to sit here and discuss, you know, the different philosophies between Rogers and, and, and Lennon and what players they suit, but. Rodgers was at least a lot more regimented and organized, and he's, he gives very clear tactical um, instructions. And I think that's something that Christian needs. Now, some of it is, is his decision-making on the pitch as well, so it's, it's limited what a coach can influence, but I think Ryan Christian needs guidance, and he needs to be put in certain roles and told to do exactly this. Because if you put him in the middle of the midfield and give him kind of free reign and yeah, you know shoot on sight and, and you know try and make something happen, I don't think that works. It works a bit higher up in you know, a number 10, uh, I think it was really good, but uh, it, it's it's something with Christia that doesn't really fit in to this Lennon team. I think maybe playing off a striker in a sort of a tree fight might actually be his best position right now.
0: See, Ajay, his goal... I, I, I mean, we need to talk about that because it was an absolute peach of a goal. Um, now, on the, you know, on the Cynic Weekly, we know you've seen the game and we know you've seen the goals. We, we're, you know, we're not going to sit here and go through a kind of minute by minute of the game and how it, how it panned out. But with goals like this, I think they do need to be highlighted. Um, he's he's scoring. What is that his fourth league goal already? Um, it was a. Excellent goal, excellent finish. The build-up play, the pass from Christie, the work from Encham. First of all, um, excellent all-round goal and an excellent finish. Thoughts on the goal itself, and we've got we've got potentially, potentially, and I know it's still early, but potentially a bit a goal machine. in a yet do we not?
1: In terms of the amount of goals he's getting, in terms of being a goal machine, I don't want to get carried away. Although I'm probably feeling that as well but time will tell if he's going to be like that what i will say though is he's an instinct is instinctive a finisher as i've seen for some time now people have compared them to hooper people have compared them to um griffiths at times as well his finish on a uh, um saturday was it saturday sunday saturday um reminded me of cadet that was totally and cadet was one of the purest finishers i've ever seen um Again, we're not wanting to get carried away, but the way he took the goal was was effortless, and it just seemed to me that finishing is a natural thing for him. He, I wouldn't compare him to Griffiths because I don't think Griffiths was never really, he's he's he lacks a bit in terms of a presence up front. Griffiths, I think sometimes I think he works better in a two. Um, I'm not seeing a jetty would be an ideal loan forward but I think he would have more to his game than Griffiths and for me he's got far more to his game than Gary Hooper did Gary Hooper for me was a pure finisher but in terms of uh, of his touch at times and his ability to hold the ball up he lacked there and yet he's got more than them two for me Um, I do think in a two he will work the best as well I think um, you know we've seen that with Christie there Um, which is maybe not as natural as it would be with Eddie, but a front two with a Yeti and it really, really excites me and I think it's just that instinctive you know ability to know where the net is and it's something that again, this is another football cliche, but it's like you know, you can't teach that, you know, taking Hardly any touches, just that's it. I'm shooting goal. And it, it it's just really, really exciting to see somebody who's as natural as that. And that's the thing that I like about him. I think he'll get his goals um on you know, like snapshots, you know, he's scored different types of goals for us, and
3: and that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. It it's not that he's can't develop further with Ayeti, but I think what, something we've talked about so many times, if you go and shop in a certain bracket. I think that probably starts around five, six million. And if you find a player that fits your, your style, it's worth the money because you know he's just a certain level of quality straight away. He just has it. And and you can buy players for one, two, three million pounds, maybe a slightly bit younger, and, and they might come good. But he comes in and he's, he's ready to play. I mean, he's, he's still not full fitness, but you just see by his... By his, and it must be his movement, his, his, just his confidence, his, his calmness when he, he's finishing. It's, it's just, you know, in a lot of sense, it's the real is the finished package. No, as I said, not, he, he can probably get better as well, but he's, he's already at a level. And I think you get that if you go shopping in the five, six million pound bracket. I think that's where you get I think there's an argument to say that about Barkas as well. We can come on to Barkas, but you, already you see he's an established international player which Ayeti is is, and they come from leagues that are at least as good as Scotland probably better and they've been among the best players there and I think that's that's such a lesson in the transfer market overall just on the goal uh, you have to mention Charm as well because it's such a classic turn and run from him in the tight spaces and right spaces lovely movement for Ayeti Christie's movement is actually really good as well because it occupies some of the defenders and it's just oh, it's just a lovely goal
1: it just, uh, just very quickly on that. I mean, some of the some of the the re, the reaction after the game because it ended up being so close, three two, and it was kind of almost bookended by uh, the penalty at the start and then uh, the screamer from Serrano uh, in between. And I think people, some people overlooked. I think some people got hysterical because we were nervy for the last ten minutes. But we've already named Encham, um, McGregor, and Christie, amongst others, all having good games. I think. This performance was a lot different from uh, the some of the performances prior to that. And I, I think it's important to highlight that because I think some people missed it. And Christian, Christian's got a, a really, really right to point out in Cham's role in that goal there because, again, people, and I've said this before, sometimes the standards that people are holding in Cham to are are, are a bit high and a bit unfair on them in my in my eye. But that was just pure class, absolute class. And the first touch from Christy through for Yeti was... It was second to none. It was a great goal. It wasn't just the finish, it was everything in the build up to it.
0: See, um, Eddie, Christian brought it up earlier the fact that Eddie didn't play. Um, the excuse from uh, Lennon was that Eddie was tired. Um, he was fatigued after being away playing for the French under 21s so he said a lot of games and all that sort of thing. Eddie also missed obviously the game against Ferns Farosh that put us out of the Champions League. Um, are you are you worried? Uh, do you think there's is there a deeper issue here that we should be worried about in terms of Eddie? Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's anything like before, we like maybe like Boyata or anything like that. Hopefully not, but. It's just fatigue, in it. It's just tired.
2: I I genuinely wonder, um, has he been fit all season? Like, is he? You know, he did an amazing game, um, first game of the season against Hamilton. But I wonder if he's carried a kind of niggle in this in this thigh almost right the way through. And I think if it comes to it, on on the Friday, and, and you know, no reason to disbelieve Lennon that Edwards Edward says. Do you know what? I'm I'm just not feeling great. I'm not feeling up to it. I would rather you take the opportunity to rotate him out and then make sure that he's fresh for Thursday night because we'll come on to Thursday's game. And you know, there's not any excuses for for not getting through on Thursday night. But you want to have your best players, and and you know, I'm very keen to have Edward there
1: very quickly because Christian's got a lot in nice his face as if he's got quite a lot to say here. So, my I think Edward's either not fit or he's not, you know, not interested, and that might sound yeah. bad because he's not been in great form this season. That seemed a bit odd, it really did seem a bit odd, I would say. Um, I've touched on it as well, other people have, in terms of how much emphasis he seem to put on or. European performances last season He was dejected after Cluj, probably even more so after Copenhagen, after his penalty, so I, I am a little concerned by him not being there, and by his form I would hope that it's just a lack of fitness, and he's maybe not up to speed but there's something niggling in the back of my head now, about Edward, Um which I hope I'm wrong about and I'd like to pass over to Christian Wolf. I,
3: I, I didn't really have much to say I'm um... As you said, Samara, I think it was a bit odd. I think it's a bit odd. And, and it could be just Leonard's honesty. And, and you know, in a way, that's laudable. But to say, yeah, he said he was a bit tired and he's a bit fatigued. And I I, I think I just would have gone, I did not put him on the bench at all and say, look, he's he's, he's still struggling. Or just I don't know. I, I or said it, it, it's just the way Linda said it came from him. It came from the player. It, it wasn't. He said you know or you know it's just a decision we took as a team. You say yeah, he's, he's a bit. You know, it's it's not kind of feeling. It and thought it was better to rest him because it's a busy period and, and so on. So, uh, but you, you end up coming into like a, an area of speculation because he's he's never. Any openly, Edwards never openly said anything about wanting to move or so on. His, his agent always makes the right kind of noises. So I think it's very careful not to, to show anything there. But as same as you, so money kind of just pricked me saying that that's a bit weird. It could be nothing, but it just seemed a bit odd.
2: Anthony Joseph at Sky Sports is. Uh, uh, seems to have sort of taken over from Stephen McGowan as as getting the sort of the the ITK hook up. And and you know, he was saying last night he cannot see Edward leaving unless somebody puts absolutely crazy money in front of the club and that's a that's a high thirty, low forty million pound offer. And he can't really see who's in the market for a striker that would be willing to pay that. So I I as I say, I think there's probably a combination of fitness and and do you know what maybe his head has been been turned a little bit, but I, I genuinely don't see him leaving. And, and I think on,
3: on on Joseph specifically, you know, he's, he's London based in, in Sky. My Gowen will have better contacts at the club than him, but I think he's he's a true guy. You probably get to talk to a lot of agents and a <sighs> lot of agents that are closer to it. So I don't think there's something coming from the club. But I think you're right, Dean. I, I think you know, especially as two, three weeks of transfer window, agents just start talking and talking, and it's 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 leaking everywhere. And, and that's maneuvering in, in in the market, and it's it's you know trying to get your message out there. But it's that's what it's going to be like what twelve days left of the window now. It's going to be like this every day, and then more and more of it. Two separate things here.
1: I mean, Edward could be unhappy, but there might not be a club willing to pay the money at the club. Uh, yeah. Uh, want. So in fact, that may, again, I need to reiterate what Christian's saying as well. It's just niggling with me. I've got a bad feeling. It's something that's unsettling me about it, but I'm not sitting here saying that Edward's going to go, but he does look out of sorts. He doesn't look like a player he has been previously. And it could very well be that he said, I'd I'd quite quite like another club, but Celtic can't prepare to take less than 35, 40 million or whatever for him. And in this environment, you know, it might be more likely sometime like January or something that a club are like desperate and they need to bolster their But right now with the situation with the pandemic and things like that, I don't think people are throwing about too much money. And that might be be feeding into things. All speculation. We don't know. Hopefully he just needs to get back up to speed. And he he battles them in on Thursday, but um, just don't like it. That's all I'm going to say.
0: So I think, um, you know, the Livingston game, you know, it was the most important thing in any league game, I suppose, right now is just to pick up the three points. And they did that. I think there was still a few negatives maybe in terms of, you know, going that goal down again, which you just don't want to do early in games. You don't want to have to trying to get back into games right from the pretty much the outset which is not good and then obviously we had a kind of nervy end to the game as well with them getting that second goal Um, but Overall, I think individuals, you know, there was some better individual performance, maybe, performances maybe than there has been recently, so so that's good. Um, moving on to transfer news, um, there, there's not a great deal. Um, there's still nothing in terms of left-backs. Um, it's more players that are, that are leaving and, and going out. Keir McEnroy today signed for Adam Firmland on loan for the season. Um, I didn't realise that he was the captain of the development squad or had been. But, um, yeah, he's away for the season. Obviously, it wasn't really going to feature, I don't think, although it was part of the first team from the outset in terms of pre-season. And then the the other one, Christian, which is, you know, kind of why you're on, in it. it? Um, Christopher Ayer, who, you know, I think he's got the same, the same agent as uh, Alfredo Morelos because he seems to, they're doing, they're doing the best to get them, get them punted. Um. He's uh, he's been linked with AC Milan again. Apparently, he was going they were going to bid fourteen million, and then uh, Big Maldini comes out and says he's he's just on a shortlist. Um, first off, obviously, do you think he'll go, Christian? And what would be a fair price for your for your boy?
3: First of all, I don't think either I or his agent has said anything publicly. His agent has said something publicly in in March, and. It's, it's no longer his agent. So I, I think what you're hearing in in the media is, is, is a lot of secondhand. It's a lot, you know, it seems like to be coming from, from the club as well. Um, I talked about it on a couple of other pods as well. It's obviously that AC Milan is interested in him, you know, and they're considering him. But I, I think when it comes to, to Milan, it's damn to money uh, point of view as well because it doesn't seem like a club that's you know they don't have the money of the Premier League and um, you know there's to the talk about when Ragnik was supposed to come in and he was going to get a budget and that seems to be kind of been scrapped and it's kind of you know they're not in the Champions League next year either so I think there's a limited amount of money there I think they're interested in mean, and I think or would they be able to go? You know, there was talk about you know something loan to buy and, and stuff like that today. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Milan came in for a bid with him. But I'm not convinced there'd be a bid that Celtic will think is is something they should they should accept at this point.
2: So so again, like just before we started recording, again Anthony Joseph essentially saying that that he thinks that that Milan will will come up short. Um, in terms of having the money, and as you say, Christian, very interested in Ayer, and and you know he's one of two or three centre backs they're looking at, but they all seem to be beyond Milan's um, financial um, clout, and and they're talking about wanting to 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 as you said, bring somebody in on loan and then buy them. Now, I can't. He was, he was like, oh, you know, there would have to be a big upfront loan fee. There's absolutely no way Celtic are going to entertain sending Christopher Ayer out on loan in the 10th season. Not happening. I think the one thing to consider among this as well, that
3: there's just so much brinkmanship in here. You know, if say AC Milan decided we're going to go for a year. They're not going to come out and say that. They're going to come out and say pretty much what the Vax had just said. It's like, yeah, he's on the list. Actually, we're quite interested in this guy. And we don't actually have that much money at the moment. So uh, I think if, if, you know, if Joseph sources Sky Italia kind of link to the club, they're going to feed a certain line. Okay, so they're not stupid. So it's, uh, uh, But <laughs> having said all that, you know, I don't think they're flush with money either. I think there probably is a pot there. And if they can get IF for that, you know, they might try to. But I also don't think, you know, if, if
2: Laurel says, nah, it needs to be 5 million more, it's, it's, they're probably going to go I, well. I, I, I think happen. I think 20 million euro, so essentially 18 million pounds upwards, is the minimum we should be taking for him. I think four, 14 million is, undervalues him and, and and totally rips the piss out of us for the fact that he's got two years left in his deal. This is the time when we're supposed to be able to extract maximum value from players and somebody's saying that Ayer's only worth 14 million. Fuck off. There's a lot of Celtic fans that says they
3: by Johanna for for forty million. In here again, <laughs> Louis McCaffrey. Louis McCaffrey, over to you. Um,
0: yeah, oh, I would. I would take. No, oh, would I take forty million? No, oh, probably not. And it's got nothing to do it's with what, of, I, what I think wait, of wait. him. I, I, want to milk the cow. I want to milk the teat of uh, Italian football, my man.
3: But you, you said he's he's not as good as he, he thinks he is. Did do, do you trust Paul Maldini? He, he he knows kind of a couple of things about centre backs, or what, what do you think? Uh,
0: Aye, no, I'm sure he does. I mean, I think mm. he's got glaring flaws and, you know, he's got plenty of room for potential. But if there's a club stupid enough to pay upward to €50 million euro, pound, whatever, they can cash it in this bank, my what friend. Does
3: Paul, what does Paul Maldini know? Um, no,
0: listen, I'm, I, 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 you know, we can talk about this if you want, Christian. I, like,
3: Did you, you want know,
0: to? I, I, listen, absolutely. Okay. I think... Um, you know, I've we talked about this me and Samani talked about it on the um, on our last the last episode of our last that we've done. I don't, I, I'm not blind to the, the positives of Christian Ayer. I, I, uh, Christopher I. Sorry, I totally, I totally get the fact that you know what he does is great. He steps out and runs into space and all that that I like to wind you up about It's brilliant. And we don't have anybody else that can do that. And it is, it is you know. It's a rarity to have someone who can do it so well. So I, I'm, I'm not kind of blind to that. But there are things about him that do frustrate me. I, I think we saw it again, even at the weekend, high balls. I, I don't think he's very good when the ball's in the air. Um, I, I think his decision-making sometimes is poor. Um, so I think there's, there's things that, he can absolutely work on. It's just the thing that frustrates me sometimes is I feel like the discussion on Ayer is like, we are lucky to have him because he's this Rolls-Royce. He's not a Rolls-Royce yet. He's not at that level. He's not at the level of a Virgil van Dyke, for example. And I'm not saying that he won't get there or his potential isn't massive. But for me personally, I think he is lucky... Not lucky to be at our club, but our club is a good club for him, and I just feel as if a lot of the time Celtic are made out to kind of look like we're stupid, as if we're not good enough. This idea of him being a Champions League player, for example, if he's a Champions League player, he should be getting into the Champions League with Celtic.
1: Are you saying that he's a model for focus? What more is he? Alexis,
3: Alexis. I mean, I just checked the statue, he won 10 out of 11. Challenges in the air on, on, on Saturday. And so,
1: you looked that up. I knew that. See when you said he wasn't in there <laughs> the computer, he was
2: checking out no, there, there was one early on that he got caught. Like no, and, and it's that one. It's that one. I the the one I saw him. He... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just,
3: I mean it's it's entirely valid to, to hold different opinion on how Chris, good Christopher Ayer is. And, and I think and I'm, I'm not gonna argue with that he's got potential to improve because I think he has, I think he knows he has as well. But what I'm really interested about and this is why it's not just you, Louis, it's his other, uh, don't walk away, Louis, we're still here. I'm um, so, still here. <laughs> and, and I see this among other Celtic fans as well or some someone them read another blog is this perception that he he thinks he's better than he is and he thinks he's a certain quality and he thinks he's too good for Celtic and it's just I don't understand where that comes from because that's not something he's, it's everything he said publicly has been, I love the club. I love being here, you know, walking out, out of in front of 60,000 Celtic park is one of the greatest things you can do. So eh, have player like a year, like Edward and Char maybe reached a point where they think it might be time to move on now if the right club comes along. Yeah. But I, I don't think any of those, because I wrote an article about this on, on the website another week, I don't think any of them has ever said they're too good for the club or they think they're better than they are. So I just, I don't know where that perception has come from. Maybe he just should sign a new contract just to prove it once and for all. But, uh, but in, he, he signed a new contract two years ago when he was 20. He's 22 now. And Edward is 22. He's two years left. Charm is 24. If you pick up really talented foreign players at eighteen, nineteen, as part of a model, which I think Celtic should be doing. I think Celtic should be signing the next Alan brat And I think he would should be wanting to come to Celtic. But if you want to do that model, there comes to a point where you just have to say, you know, you have to know when to sell as well. And it, it's it's complicated this season because they're all two years left at the same time it's the 10-in-a-row season. But, you know, it's... It, a year's given, four years or something. I don't think he has to prove his loyalty to the club by signing a new contract. I know that yes. that's not how that's not how it works. So I, I don't really know how that perception of he thinks is too good for the club has come from.
0: But, but see, two things, right? One, one for me, I think Celtic and the people at Celtic have really made Christian Chris. Fucking can he get his name right? I keep we're we're up. two
3: different people. I n- I know, Sometimes but you're it very, seems like you don't realise that. You're but. pretty
0: much the same. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Ayer, um, Ayer has got a lot to thank Celtic for, for the fact that he was pretty much shit. It's, it's, and then it's, we it's, put him out on loan, changed his <laughs> position. He became he learned the position that he's excelling in now, thanks to us who put him out on loan, brought him back and gave him a chance. I think he should repay the faith that he's been shown that that mean, by that's, the club.
3: That's why he came to Celtic. He came to Celtic as a 17-year-old, having been the youngest ever captain over an a tough life side at 16. He came here to develop. He came here to get experience. He came here to be better. And he's put a hell of a lot of work in. And he has become better. He has become better because of of Celtic, of of the coaches there, because of John Candy, because of Brendan Rodgers, because of Neil Lennon. But he's 22. He was always him. Edward and Charm is always going to use Celtic as a step and that doesn't mean yeah. they don't like the club they don't have enjoyed it they don't grateful for it so i don't really i don't really get this he thinks he's better than he is he's ungrateful i where, where's that coming from I, I don't
0: know it's just maybe it looks like he well, goes you're it looks like you're saying Louis. I don't know. But
3: you, you've been saying it for months and you've been saying on this pod and you've been saying it on the whatsapp so i'm just asking you where do you think that comes from
0: I, I, Christian I don't know it's just it, it, don't get me wrong I think a lot of it is probably headlines but I, I'm a fan who's emotional about my team it's it's obviously going to ha- if I see a headline saying Christopher Ayer says this or Our agent says this it's going to piss me off but my, my the last point I wanted to make on it was see in, in terms of Eddie for example I don't think Eddie can get much better at Celtic I don't think he's I don't think we can do as much to get him to the next level. Do you think that about Christopher Ayer? Because I think Ayer can still improve here at Celtic.
3: Uh, can, can I, uh, Samaritan almost coming back for shortly. I think Ayer improved a lot under Brendan Rodgers. I don't know if he's improved a lot the last year. And maybe he feels he needs to go to another club right now to improve. But I, no, I, I, I'm not reading his mind. You know, he's never said publicly he hasn't liked it. I think he has developed. I think it's just come to a natural... He's been in four years. If it's this year or next year, it just comes to a natural point in that trajectory. Those foreign players that come to Celtic really early see out to their career. And there's... So I think if the right club and the right offer came in now, he'd probably go, actually, I would like to do that. But if the wrong offer came in, if there's some you know relegation fodder in the Premier League, I don't think he would go, because I think he would actually... I get a much more out of playing in the Europa League for a year, playing for the best team in Scotland for another year and, you know, be part of a tenner in a row. So I don't think it's, I don't think he's desperate to go, but I think if the right offer came, he'd probably go, yeah, it's time.
2: What does it say that Milan are the only club that are interested in their skin? Because there's another... You don't six. know
3: that, but you don't know that. Well, no, that's, I'm just saying like
2: Cham, Edward, Ayer. We've assumed that this summer, this transfer window was going to be about us fending off bids for these players, and nothing's really come to pass as of yet. And I and I just wonder again, are we thinking too much about these players? Because they seem to be kind of not on anybody's radar at the minute. Okay, we've got Milan, but you know, they're trying to get them kind of lowball us for them. And, and that's all three of them, by the way, and, and Christie as well. If you, you, you don't think there's you...
3: club interested in Nods and Edward just now? Well, who, who because is Because it's about... not in the news. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's a stretch. You, lead, don't, you don't know that?
0: You, do, you don't know, though? No, you we don't
3: know. It. But, but it's, you don't think you know, there wouldn't be a clubs lining up to, to buy him? Solani, Solani, Solani,
0: come in here and dominate, come on. Wait,
1: I think, wait, okay, there's a few points that I need to come in on see there what you're talking about in terms of, of, of clubs being interested in players just now I, I think we can't really, um, forget the fact of the situation we're in we go,
2: yeah the
1: effect that's having on incomes we lack a match day um, uh, crowds and things like that so that's going to affect the money that people can spend secondly when the window shuts people will get more desperate and you might see some of the speculation starting up from from there on in um, when it comes to Iyer I think the point that you'd made Louie, and you touched on about there comes a point where it's hard for us to develop players. I think that's absolutely true. I think part of that's coaching, and I think part of that's just because we're in the league. We're in. If you... Somebody like Van Dyke went to Southampton and immediately became a better player because he was playing against better players every week. That's just natural. We don't play against a level of player weekly that's going to allow them to do that. So that's the case. I think in terms of what Louis is saying about I to try and come to a middle ground between Christian and, uh, and Louis... You're saying he's not said anything publicly, Christian, and you're absolutely right. His old agent did, and he never corrected it. Now, I'm not saying he has to correct it, but the comments of his agent then ling. right? I'm much more of a fan of Ireland than Louis, as you know, but I do agree that there's areas of his game that he needs to continue to develop because he's still a young player, and again, that might not be here. So when you see a player whose agent was talking about him uh, in terms of... He was quite dismissive. Undertone, what undercurrent of it was? He was dismissive of Celtic and the fact that Ireland needs to go somewhere else. The fact that that's never been corrected, even though if he's not his agent, and you can still see that there's some weaknesses in his game. I think that formulates in people's heads and say, wait a minute here. You know, you're not as good as you think you are, even though we don't know what he thinks. It's it, it's a combination of factors that's been rolled up into one, and people have come to that conclusion on him. So. I, I think that that's kind of, and then anytime he makes or anything like that, I think people then flash back to that, and they bring that up. So I think that's where it's came from, though, although I agree from uh, agree with you, Christian, he's done nothing personally to make people think that. I just think that because that happened, and he's never spoke about it publicly since, that's where the problem
3: comes from. I'll come in quickly. and. No, I think I think you're probably right. I think that's where where it comes from as well. But I, I would say, as I wrote in my article on these three guys, the original quote quotes comes from you know it's an article in you know, the Norwegian kind of AP sort of thing, and the agent quotes are you know been put you know the Scottish media has put up. I I gives a quote to the same you know news agency at the same time, and he says, "I love the club. That's my focus," and you know, when the contract came up a couple of months later, he goes and gets new agents. Now, I think he's, he's probably damned if you do, if you're damned, if you don't, if, if, if he says something publicly. I think Celtic deliberate, deliberately are keeping him away from the media, charm away from the media, Edward away from the media, uh, and so on, because, you know, no matter what you say in that situation, it's not going to come out. I, as you say, Money, in terms of, does Christopher here kind of sometimes... Lose a little bit of focus in games. Oh, yeah, I think he does. I think, and, and I know he knows that as well. And uh, you, you do wonder if uh, I think your point was was good there. You know, and I, I, Louis, I don't think he's the finished article. I don't think if he did on the year Celtic, yeah, he pretty he might well develop a bit more and so on. But I also think there might come to a point where he goes if you if you because Celtic are so good, and this is Celtic as a team as well they're able to drop off 5-10% sometimes a f- focus and concentration because even if they do, they're so much better than other teams. They don't have to be honest. So I think what you saw with Van Dyke, there's a lot of criticism of Van Dyke the last year at Celtic. And he wasn't, you know, he was strolling at some point, but he's kind of switching off as well. As soon as he gets into Southampton, mm-hmm. immediately, I think, because maybe something subconsciously, you know, you you challenge more, you, you need to be switched on. And you can say it's people, players should be switched on anyway. And I agree, but... I, I, I think, you know, and that all kind of, that probably swirls around the player's mind as well when it comes to the point. If I get the offer from the right league, from the right club that plays in the right way, that's actually the best step for my career right now. It doesn't mean they don't, you know, have not grateful to Celtic and they haven't loved being here.
0: You're kind of obviously touching on the psychology of players, which is something that Dermot Desmond spoke about in his interview with the Athletic. Um, there was there was quite a lot of different points in it which I thought were interesting, particularly for me. Anyway, I, I thought you know the the discussion that he had. He said that he had with Lennon after the what was the game recently? The league game where we didn't p- p- play particularly well, but still got a result. Um, who was so, it? M- Saint no, Ross County.
3: Ross County, County
0: yeah. game. Um, you know, and Lennon had obviously come out said it was a great performance, but obviously was a lot more honest um, when in his assessment with uh, with Dermot Desmond. But the point the point on the sports psychologist, he said that there was a you know they were looking to bring in a sports psychologist to help the team, and particularly in relation to our European success and, and trying to he basically put. European failures down to mental approaches and and the psychology of the team going into these games Um, you know, I don't know we've won, what, nine you know, nine league titles in a row, now I know that's domestic football but the psychology of the team can't can't be that bad that's a team of winners, it's a club it's an environment of winners is that is it really a sports psychologist that's going to change our fortunes in, in Europe? Is that what we need?
2: I I I think there's probably a, there's a couple of points in this. Like so so for me, if you look at the the philosophy of, of marginal gains and David Billsford at the team Sky and things like that, anything that 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 can give you a, an edge, right? Everybody slagged off Jurgen Klopp when he got a um a throw-in coach right but actually you you know if that if that made a difference in in a game then then that 60 grand a year that he was paying to that throw-in coach was worth it fundamentally we should have us we should be utilizing a sports psychologist almost as a matter of course I don't think it should be a "Mm, oh there's a bit of a problem that's bringing a sports psychologist we should be utilizing a psychologist to make sure that that you know the mindset is always right I don't think it's just the players though. And actually sometimes I think some of these European games, you see Lennon. Um sometimes these are the games where he makes really strange decisions. I would be wanting to talk him talk through his thought process and actually how does he get to decisions like that and how can we avoid doing that in the future. But for me, I'm I'm all for it. And frankly, if, if Dermot Desmond wants to 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 pay for it, we we should just be doing it. I, I, Ian,
3: i think every club should have at this level or clubs that want to reach that level should have an offer to players if if they want to you know make use of a psychologist you know to to talk to you know mental preparations and so on it should be there for them you said doing Liverpool. Liverpool has one i think pretty much every big big top club will have one so i, I think it comes down to on games they should have it is that the reason why celtic haven't Qualified for the Champions League um, three years in a row now. No, it's not. That's due to the tactical setup, um, you know, individual mistakes in game. But that is, you know, somebody says, "Oh, we didn't do A because we didn't have the right mentality. We didn't want it enough." It just kind of puts my back off because I'm not dismissing the role of mentality and, and leadership and so like over, uh, you know, a length of a season. But more often than not, it's because you're not properly tactically prepared enough and you haven't made the right choices in terms of players so um, should it be there? Absolutely, is that the reason why Celtic haven't gone through into Europe? Nah, I don't buy that
0: There's there's obviously a lot more you know, a lot of expectation when Celtic play in Europe because you know, we want to get back to a a certain level. Chris we, you know, we're back um, in European football this week we're playing Riga Um, is is the game tomorrow or is it Thursday? It's Thursday, isn't it?
2: Thursday at six o'clock. Yeah, Thursday six o'clock on live and Premier Sports and Um, other um, less legal streaming methods. Yes,
0: excellent. Um, Christopher Somani, what is your expectations of both us and them? Um, they are currently at the top of their uh, their league in, in Latvian football. They've played a lot of games, so um, so you know, I think they're. Are they halfway through their season or, or two-thirds through their season? They've played a lot of football in the last last few months, so you would expect a team kind of firing all c- cylinders. I, I know you're probably not, and I, I hope this isn't offensive in any way, up-to-date with well, Latvian football, but um, what do you expect from us and them?
1: Who dare you? Latvian well, football Chris or Manny, um, speaking just now. What do you expect? I expect us to win. I expect us to win with... Um, relative ease. Now I know I've just said that and it's Celtic in Europe and we're away from home, but come on. The Latvian champions and then I believe we're playing Sarajevo if we beat Riga to go into the Europa League. No excuses. If we win both of those ties and go into the Europa League, huge questions need to be asked of the management team. So what do I expect? Well, I think we should win with relative ease as Celtic. We we'll probably make it hard. I think we will win. If we don't, alarm bells got to ring for me. And now that might sound disrespectful because I don't know that much about Latvian football, despite what I just said. But come on, come on. They, they, this we were worried about what the path might be, especially in the playoff round to go through here. We can't beat those two to go into the group stage. Major major questions need to be asked.
2: I there's a Bernardiic 67 who's absolutely phenomenal with all of the all, all of the kind of permutations in Europe. Um went through like the Champions League draw essentially like all of the seeds have pretty much gone out. Um we we could not have had an easier run into the Champions League than this season. We've fucked it up so badly and the only Possible consolation is is getting through these next two games and and unscathed. Um, it really makes me angry thinking about it.
3: Just want to say, Louis, if if you wanted to know a lot more about Riga, and I do, I do, and, Christian. Where can and, I find it? And if you subscribe to um, to theseniconcerning or if you want to subscribe, uh, right after this, I'm recording a podcast with Stephen Russell. Stephen Russell um, has essentially watched a lot of Riga, and we're going to talk about how they will set up defensively attacking-wise against Celtic. But we're going to try and deliver it as we would a team talk to the Celtic team, you know, saying, so it'll be no more than 20 minutes. This is what they do against an organized attack. This is what they do against an organized defensively. And We might try and put a few of Stephen's, you know, screenshots and so on up on on Cynic.co as well. So it's just a a small example of what we do at the uh, Cynic.co where we're going to, you know, preview this match in, in minute detail.
0: Uh, well plumped. You can have a
3: biscuit. <laughs> Language, like you're in the dressing room. If I, I try to get, um, you know, Steven to, to, to kind of live
2: into that. He's, he's getting, he's warming up. Um, you watched... If you watch Spurs all or nothing because <laughs> um, you couldn't do a worse team talk than Harry Kane come on let's, let's fucking get into them fucking come on bark. and it's just swearing and it's, <laughs> they're absolutely dreadful but, but the point of it is of it though is I, I'm really
3: fascinated by this because in, in a top club like Celtic there'll be hours and hours poured into every single game by guys who you know his tactical analysis you know big brains and so on and with stats but they have to distill that into 15 minutes tops that's something players can easy, easily remember and grasp so when they're you know they got half a second on the pitch kind of you know that needs to kind of kick in so it's, it's a really interesting process you take this really theoretical thing how they're going to line up how you're going to do it and how do you communicate that to the players so they remember it on the pitch so it's it's, it's quite fascinating
0: Yep. Um definitely check out the the Cynic.co to get um some more kind of preview of, of the game coming up on Thursday. We are gonna finish, we've got a few minutes left. We're gonna finish on back to domestic football and uh, <laughs> uh the the uh, the rangers uh, mark mark two, mark three, whatever they are just now. Um yeah. You know, World Beaters hadn't lost a goal, uh, hadn't conceded a goal going into the game at the weekend against uh, Hibs. Funnily enough, we we're also playing Hibs away on on Sunday, um, but the Rangers played them at the weekend and they they came away with a two two draw, dropped points, dropped two points. So many fantastic, yeah. We're at home against them
1: at the weekend. Just a oh, sorry. Um, I felt really sorry for them. 'Cause Boyle, Boyle looked offside
0: side equaliser. Nah, I saw the line, it was like it was round him. It was fine. I mean what I'll obviously is these things even up
1: over the course of a millennium. So, you know, <laughs> you know, swings and roundabouts. But um yes, it was um it was pleasing to see because um, you know, all the um the preamble before had been about the world record breaking clean sheets that they were gonna um make. What was it? I think, I mean, it's not even as a, I mean, Forster went 13 games or something last season, did they not, without conceding a goal? So I was a bit confused, but apparently it was at the start of the season.
2: The start of the season, yeah. It was a very
1: particular world record they were after. A very prestigious record that they uh, fell short of. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's proof that what we've been hint- hinting at, and I've said as well, it's like, you know, when we're not playing good, we sometimes feed into that frenzy in terms of about how good they are, but they're far, far from you know unbeatable. I think that was proven on um, it was proven on uh, Sunday. Shout out to Ryan Portis who seemed to um, seemed to rub them up the wrong way with some of his challenges and then some of the comments at the end of it. But bottom line is, you know, all the joking aside, is they dropped another two points. There was a potential disaster with the bowling situation that really never came to fruition. We're a point behind them, we're a game in hand now, and I would have snapped your hand off for that at that point. So it was really pleasing to see them drop points at the weekend.
2: And with an eight grand fine um, that we got for Bolly, and goalie, probably about 30, 40 grand up on it after we fined Bolly and Golly wages. So, hey, all's well, ends well.
3: Just around, Samarani's right, this was an opportunity for them to kind of pull away. And, and if you enter into your stats, you know, you can, cynic.co, after each game, we have a full match center filled with all the stats as well. But what they're showing is that, you know, if you want to call them the underlying performances of the two Rangers and Celtic so far, you know, we look at, you know, the quality of chances created, the quality of chances conceded. Rangers has been on a, quite a good run in terms of that. And they have been, you know, statistically better than Celtic over those games. The issue is they haven't managed... To take advantage of it. And I think Celtic season will get better. And I think they'll start restricting more chances. I think they is going to start, you know, create more chances consistently. So this was, make no mistake about this, this was an opportunity for them to put the pressure on and to pull a bit ahead. And while the performances, you know, looking stats wise, have been good, they haven't managed to do it. And I don't think they're going to get many chances at all now to pull away from Celtic at all. So I, I think it is a missed opportunity for them.
0: If anything, we're going to be the ones with a chance to pull ahead. You know, we've got the game in hand, and if we can beat beat them in the game coming up, everything will be rosy again. And it was great to see Gerard throwing some players under the bus as well. You know, it'd been too long since we'd seen that, so that was that was delicious. Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll we'll discuss them more as we get closer to the, the game coming up with them in, in a matter of a few weeks. But um, this has been lovely. Um, we we did have some questions. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to answer them, but we will try and get them in uh, next week. We're just, um, there's other podcasts being recorded tonight, so I think our our time is up uh, on the Cirque Weekly. Um, Christopher Samari, pleasure as always. Pleasure as always, Lee. Thanks very much. Enjoyed that. Ian, what's what's in the
2: pot tomorrow night? Have you decided yet? I'm, I'm having a rest. I'm having a, oh. a hello, fresh rest at the minute, but I'm, I'm going to regroup and get back to it again. Good. Thank you for having me, Louie. Uh, it's, been, been it's been lovely to be here. been a pleasure, Ian. And uh,
0: Christian, listen, I cannot wait until the day Christopher, uh, fucking Chris, Jesus, Christopher have <laughs> gets to fuck and I, we can hear you back another, another horse in the race because that's what I want to hear. I wanted, I'm intrigued to know who you would pick to back, who's your boy next time, but we'll save that for another podcast. It's been a pleasure.
3: It's been a pleasure. I'm happy for you to call me Christian Ariere. I, I think we've, we've come to the conclusion that you can't really tell any Norwegians apart now, but it's okay. Uh, it's, it's it's a good comparison. I'm happy with it.
0: Absolutely. It's, um, you know, he's uh, he's shaped with the balls above his head and
3: <laughs> so are you. Yeah, I, anyway. I, I, I'll show you the stats again if you want.
0: No, no, no. no okay, fine. Fine. He, he, he made one mistake. That's enough. Anyway, this has been the Cynic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road.